Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. This week, we're returning to meet another one of our hikers from September's 100-hole hike, and we'll bounce between hiker profiles and other relevant golf interviews in the coming weeks. This week, we're talking with hiker Rachel Collins, who came down from Northern Virginia to join us at the Hollows. Rachel married into a big golf family and not too long after got into the game herself and during the pandemic dove all in and has ultimately built a business around it with her company called The Events Caddy. Big thanks to our sponsors of the 100 Hole Hike, Adams Performance, Cutter and Buck, Forecraft Cocktails, Golfdom, Srixon, and Turtleson for supporting the VSGA and our hikers on the journey that has led us to raise more than $53,000 to date for youth on course efforts here in Virginia. And here's my conversation with Rachel Collins. Rachel Collins, thank you so much for joining us on the VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth. You're part of our Meet the Hiker series, and you're going to be hiking with us at the Hollows outside of outside of Richmond. and. I don't know anything about you. This is the first time that I've seen your face in a live sort of setting, and this is virtual, and I get to see you at the Hollows. We're recording this before the hike, and hopefully we'll have a chance to catch up after the hike to see if some of the things that you thought were held true during the hike. But tell people who are you and what do you do besides play golf? Yes. Well, I don't do much besides play golf, but (laughs) I am also a mom. Um, my, I married into a golf family. So that was kind of my introduction to golf. And we now have a four-year-old daughter who is getting more and more interested in golf by the day. Um, I have been an event planner for 10 years. I've done everything from uh, birthday parties for former CIA directors. I have done weddings. I have done legislative rollouts. I have worked in hotels. And last year, I kind of made the decision while I was working for a Fortune 100 company that my next job move would be into golf. And I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. I had a bunch of things that I knew it wasn't going to look like. I knew The teaching pro route was probably not for me. Certainly the actual professional route was not for me. And I didn't really want to get pigeonholed into kind of the club hospitality side. I really wanted to be working in golf. I took a golf trip with a group called For the Ladies, which is a fantastic national nonprofit that is all about getting young women and women of all ages and all backgrounds into golf uh, to Pinehurst. And if you have not listened to Abby's podcast or talked to Abby, you're missing out. Whether you're a man or a woman, um, she is an incredible woman in golf. And I kind of had this thought of, I do events. I've been playing in golf events. Maybe I should do golf events. So last November, I launched the Events Caddy, which is an event firm completely specializing in golf clinics, golf trips, outings, fundraisers, etc. I say that I do anything golf related or golf adjacent. And I have been doing that since November. I've been doing it full time since the beginning of the summer. And I love it. And as you mentioned, I also play a ton of golf. Yeah. So, all right, let's go back to you marrying into a golf family. Yes. 
where I've met your husband and I know that he's a good competitive player. Where was golf on your radar prior to meeting him and marrying into this family? Um, approximately as close as Pluto is on my radar. <laughs> um, it was not at all. I, the kind of iron, one of the ironies of my life now looking back is I've frequently had golf very near me. I grew up in central Indiana around a lot, what I now know is a lot of good public golf. Um, I grew up 45 minutes from Crooked Stick, which most golfers recognize that place. Um, I went to a college that had a really good golf program and has two nationally ranked golf courses. And then it kind of took me coming out here and, and meeting my husband to really realize it. Um, I the, the other funny thing was I was getting a lot of pressure, both, for, I shouldn't say pressure. I was getting encouraged by both him and his family um, because he is from a, a generations long golf family Okay. Um, to, to take up the game. And I kind of liked that that was their thing. I also never played sports growing up. I was never athletic in any way and pretty uncoordinated. So I finally agreed to go to the driving range completely thinking that I would get there and it would be so embarrassing for both of us that he would never bring it up again. And I thought, this is my plan. And I got to the driving range in September of 2016 and I hit a drive like to the stratosphere. I'm sure it wasn't in balance at all, but I hit a long drive and I went, Oh crap. And he went, Oh crap. And the bug bit me and um, the rest is history. And it has just taken off from there. Oh my gosh. That's, that is awesome. So where are you from? I mean, you might've said it. Where are you from originally? How did you come to Virginia? Yeah. So I grew up in Alexandria, or I was born in Alexandria, but I grew up in Indiana. We moved there when I was five and I came out for an internship my junior year of college that was supposed to be for six weeks. And that was now almost 11 years ago. So I, I think my internship is up. I think I now I'm just, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, what was I going to say? Oh, you mentioned working for a Fortune 100 company, and then you left that position to do something in golf. Mm-hmm. Where was it in that, like, I don't know, what can, can you recall a particular domino that fell or something that was like, my next job has to be in golf. I'm going to, now, with that with that previous job, maybe you were doing events. I don't know exactly yeah. what you were doing, but you certainly weren't doing golf. I was not doing and, golf. Yeah. And um, and then now you're like, my my next job needs to be in golf. W- what was the domino that fell? What was the piece of inspiration or, or, right. or was there none? No, I think there was. I think one big thing for me that has helped draw me into golf and especially over the last like two years, you know, everyone kind of has their like thing that came out that came out of COVID with Mm -hmm. Um, and mine certainly is a a better golf game but also just a different appreciation for golf the biggest thing that I think drew me in aside from hey I'm kind of okay at this and I'm meeting people doing this and that's fun was I saw so many opportunities for helping women in golf and that's always been something that's been at the forefront of everything else that I've done. Um, one of the things that I did when I was at that large company was I was super involved in the women's business resource group for exactly the same reason, because 
it was, it was a bank. So it wasn't kind of that traditional female, you know, driven industry. Um, and I wanted to help leave it better than it was when I got there. I kind of have felt the same way about golf and, and golf helped me face individually a lot of things about myself that I think are unique to women. One of them being just committing the time and money and energy into yourself. Like this was mm-hmm. my self-care. I was going to the golf course and playing with the old guys on Wednesday mornings because I needed that headspace. And I, I knew that there were, you know, professional implications that could help me with golf. I had seen, you know, how other women have networked through golf and things like that. But for me, a lot of it was like the mental health aspects and just kind of facing like the imposter syndrome in myself. Like I'm never going to be a golfer. I'm never going to be good enough to do X, Y, or Z. And I think that's something that keeps a lot of women out of the game entirely or keeps them from really establishing their full potential in it. The kind of ironic domino that happened on my full-time side of my life was every year, the CEO of the company that I was working for does these elaborate road shows. And he basically goes to every people center of our company and gives like an eight hour Ted talk on the strategy of the company. And he always tells the story of how he built this company from scratch and et cetera, et cetera. The, we did a virtual one last summer or earlier this summer, I should say. And he was talking about how, when he was founding the company, there were these five waves of momentum that were happening in finance that he was watching and thinking, this is my time to strike. And I had kind of set an internal clock of, I'm going to wait until the roadshows happen this year to decide. I, I already know I love this company. Is this something that I want to really continue pursuing or do I want to do this other thing full time? And I was listening to that and all I could think about was golf is going through the same kinds of things. We are seeing the COVID resurgence. We're seeing so much talk in the women's game, whether that's because of some balls dropped by the NCAA earlier in the year or just the LPGA growing, whatever it was, like the the women's game was really growing. And I just felt like there was a real opportunity there. And then of course, as we continue to navigate COVID, and I think we will be continuing to navigate COVID for a while, golf is still going to not only be the safer recreational option, it's going to be the safer fundraising option. It's going to be the safest event you can do. People aren't going to want to be in galas of a thousand people, probably for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, now's the time I have to do it. And I actually, my direct, um, the VP that I supported at my old company, when I was having my exit interview with him, he loves our CEO and as do I. And I said, look, I was hoping he would talk me out of this, but he actually really talked me into it. And here's why. So that was kind of the, the biggest domino to fall. And then it was just, um, making that, making that leap into full-time entrepreneurship. I love that point that you made about golf being your self-care. And I think, because I was about to ask the next question sort of being, how do we capture more women into the game who are sort of in the mid-am generation, which I think you're a part of? How do we how do we capture more women there? And there's a lot of opportunities for women there because there's tea times that are available. Yeah. We need to, as golf, find a way to 
repackage our message and the opportunities that are there. And I think self-care is, 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 is one of those. Yeah. I think that it's, it has to be both parties. I think that there are a lot of women, myself included, who needed to get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. I was very much in this mentality of, I, I was even playing kind of in ladies leagues, but not seriously. And, you know, if I was playing during the week, I was waiting for my husband to make a tea time for us, which now makes me want to vomit thinking that I had that mentality. (laughs) Like if you are a woman, woman listening to this, you do not need to wait for anyone to make you a tea time, go in and do it, go like, just make the time for yourself. So get out of your own way in that sense. I think too, there's a lot of thoughts and conversation around how the patriarchy hurts women's golf. Mm -hmm. I think at the kind of national tour, whatever level, I think there's a lot of resources and things that are, yes, are going toward men's golf that are not going to work toward women's golf. I think a lot of that is changing. We've slowly seen, you know, contracts and purses and all the good things go up. I think at that level, yes, there is some patriarchal problems to overcome. I think at the local level, it's more of a matriarchy problem. I think it's more the established, older women golfers at clubs who, frankly, have just forgotten that golf can be fun or that golf should be fun. Um, And I see a lot of that in in the club where I belong. I see a lot of that in playing interclub matches. I was talking to a woman recently who's been playing golf for three years. She's kind of a middle-aged mom. Her husband and her son both play and are very good. She's gotten herself to like a 27 handicap in three years, which I think is awesome. And I asked her if she was having fun doing it. And she goes, well, I'm having fun because I'm getting better. And I said, you have to stop telling yourself that because there are a lot of really good golfers who are also miserable human beings. Mm -hmm. And you need to just commit to having fun, that this is always going to be something fun for you. So I think that's a big part of it too is – is just keeping the joy in it. You know, it's, it's a frustrating game. It, even on your best day, it is a really frustrating game. It's hard. It is not something that everyone can do, but it's something that everyone can try. And I just think that a lot of it is, is women are really bad about committing to themselves. It doesn't matter if it's golf or anything else. We're bad about making the time. We're bad about, you know, I, was always bad about playing on weekends because I thought, oh, my husband has tea times, you know, established tea times on weekends. It's going to cost us money in babysitting. I I can find other times to play. And that's true to some extent, but I also need to make that time for myself and commit to that time for myself. And and that would be my biggest message to people is, is get out of your own way. Let golf happen. Um, the things that you will get out of it are far exceeding any cost or time that you are losing. Mm-hmm. You talked about the fun and before I want to get to the fun, because I think that that's going to be a big part, I hope of the 100 hole hike. But before we get to that, I, I saw a picture on your Instagram the other day, because we've become friends since we've been talking and talking about you doing the hundred hole hike. And I saw this picture of Miss America and you had some comments about this gown. And I, you know, I looked at it and I was like, this post isn't really for me. So I'm just going to kind of navigate away from this. This isn't, this isn't for me, but it is fascinating. What can you tell our listeners about why you would post something related to a gown and Miss America? Yes. So Miss America recently celebrated her hundredth birthday 
Um, the, uh, the crowning of the new Miss America will be in December. And 10 years ago, I competed in the Miss District of Columbia pageant, which is a preliminary competition to Miss America. Um, I had done pageants in other points of my life in Indiana. I was, um, I was also the Indianapolis 500 princess, which is something like also not really related to golf. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I moved to DC, I was looking for a way to meet like-minded fun women. Didn't have golf in my life yet to do that. Um, but I knew from friends in the princess program and from other smaller pageants that I had done that the sisterhood of the Miss America organization was very strong and breeds really incredible women. I mean, the, the women that I competed against have, or competed with, I shouldn't say against, start, have started their own nonprofits. They have become uh, media moguls and their own personal brands. They work in government. They've become doctors and lawyers. And it's just a really incredible circle of women. Um, it's something that I don't think people expect you to say one that you've done because mm-hmm. most people don't do it. They say that you have a better chance of having a son in the Super Bowl than you do of having a daughter in Miss America. Um, so it's a pretty small number of people that ever competed at any level um, mm-hmm. in Miss America organization. Um, but I think too, people don't expect it. And probably similarly to golf, they don't expect you to get like a lot of friends because it's a competitive thing. The my closest friends in DC are women that I met and that I competed against um, for Miss DC because it is such a bonding experience. One, it's very unique. Um, it's a little bit more vulnerable than golf is in some ways, um, but it's just it's just so incredible. And it was as crazy as it sounds being on stage in a gown or being on stage in a swimsuit as I was because that was how Miss America was structured when I did it. The, hands down the most empowering experience of my life. I know that sounds Mm -hmm. crazy, but it was incredibly empowering. And um, you just feel like a rock star while you're doing it. And like I said, I just, I met really, really wonderful women. I got what I wanted out of it. Didn't win, but, um, but I've kept lifelong friends. That is awesome. Well, if we have the opportunity, which I think we will to play together during the hundred hole hike. And if we have if we're able to catch our breath enough to talk, I'm going to want to know more about this princess of the Indianapolis 500 because yeah. <laughs> that is that is fascinating. I'm interested yeah. to know what that entails. I'll wear a dash for a few holes for you. <laughs> okay, great, great. <laughs> when I called you, when we spoke for the hundred hole about the hundred hole hike, you had a level of like 95 of interest right away, just from sort of what you'd heard from your husband and maybe what we'd emailed the day before. And then you've, you've been all in since, which is so exciting. (laughs) What was it about it that made it such a, as far as my interaction with you went such an easy sell? Well, I'm first and foremost, I am all about growing the game. I'm about growing the game at the local level. I'm about growing the game anywhere. I, I see it as the more golfers we get, the better it is for me and the better it is for all golfers. Um, I don't see it as a competition thing. I don't see it as they're going to take my tee times. I I want people in golf. Um, I have been really lucky over the last couple of years to find communities of golfers. And that has become communities of much broader than just 
other golfers. Um, I think that there are some incredible existing communities out there. And I just see youth on course and certainly the work of the BSGA more broadly as helping build additional communities and, Mm -hmm. and giving people a place for their golf. Um, I think that, you know, something that I, another thing that I struggled with, you know, a year ago, two years ago was this thought that like, I'm not getting invited to play with the ladies. And that was just such BS. Like I didn't need to wait to get invited to play with the ladies. I could one, go out and find women to invite if I really wanted to play with women or guess what? I could sign up on the T sheet and whoever I sign up with, they're going to be cool and we're going to have a good time. So I just feel like the hike is raising awareness for those communities of golf. It's certainly getting more kids involved. And again, I just think that we just have to keep that going. I, from my limited experience in golf in the past few years, you know, I am always hearing about the tiger effect and what tiger did for golf, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, when he came on the scene and did all the things that he did. And, and frankly, like I was removed enough from golf. I, I mean, I knew who tiger woods was, but I wasn't really aware until I got into playing just how much he had accomplished and just how broad his, um, his influence had been, you know, he's kind of like the original influencer in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Everybody bought Nike clubs and wore red shirts and all the things. I think that we as golf generally now have to do all of the things that Tiger did 20 years ago with where we are right now in golf. Because if we don't, we're just going to be waiting for another Tiger to come along, which may, you know, they always say may never happen. Or we're going to be waiting for like the next big thing. Why wait for the next big thing when we already have these programs that we can support that are going to be help creating the next big thing? You know, we could, you could have a youth on course kid who is the next Tiger Woods and is only ever going to have the exposure to the game because of that $5 entry fee, because that was the barrier to entry for him or her. And they are going to get to play golf because of that. So in my mind, anyway, that we can support that aspect, support young people playing, support any people playing is just so critical. And I think that we don't need to wait for like Bryson or Brooks or Patrick Reed or Nellie Corda to become the next Tiger. I think we can just grow the game organically and keep the momentum going that we saw last year and just just keep it, just grow it. You know, we're, we already have the seedling. It's, it's so right in front of us that it seems mm-hmm. silly to not support it now. Yeah. I mean, creating access points to golf through $5 rounds allows kids who are looking for something to do to now consider golf, yeah. looking to kids, giving kids the opportunity who are sort of doing golf to do a little bit more of golf. And I think that it creates that opportunity where we talked about a little bit before that mid-am generation where those of us who are starting families and, and whether whether that's a man or a woman yeah. and sort of the cultural roles of those individuals in the quote unquote starting a family is very different. Yeah. However, it gives that opportunity for everyone to say, my self-care is golf. Yes. And whether whether that's how you're going to do it or not, my escape is golf, whatever, it allows golf to continue to be 
part of the conversation. Yeah. And it's so easy to say, grow the game, but nobody really puts a lot of time or effort to sort of, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Like having a, having Somebody a junior. Figure it out so I don't have to be the influence in that. Right. Yeah. Right. So now to the, now to the hike, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your passions about playing a hundred holes in a day? What have you been tossing and turning about at night or through the day? Like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Or maybe you haven't had that at all. What have no, you been I've feeling? I've absolutely had that. Um, and every <laughs> time I tell someone, they're like, you're doing what? That's crazy. Um, so the irony of me doing the hundred holes is my first 36 is going to be the Friday before the hike. I've never played 36 in a day. I've played 27. I've never done okay. 36. Um, and I'm taking a cart the day that I'm doing 36. So it doesn't mm -hmm. even really count. Um, so yeah, the, just the sheer magnitude of a hundred holes is, is bananas to kind of think about, you know, even just if you were just walking, literally walking a hundred holes, that's a lot alone yeah. attempting to play golf in the midst of that. Um, so that it's definitely something that I thought of, like I said, every time I, I mentioned to someone that I'm doing this, they're like, that's great for you, <laughs> but we're not going to be following you that around. <laughs> we're not walking for, um, but on the same, I mean, the same token, I think it's just, it's a, it's an incredible physical challenge. It, I think it'll be a great mental challenge for me too. I am in it with other people, which makes a huge difference. I mean, you, you know, right now there is a person walking from, I think it's Boston to New York with okay. a, um, a flight attendant cart to raise awareness for the flight attendants that were killed in 9-11. Like that person mm. is twice my age and doing that and doing that without any other attention or, you know, people around him or anything like that. Like if people can do that, I can do this for charity. So I think that that's a big part of it for me is just, will I finish it? Will we as a collective finish it? Um, and you know, I mean, there are definitely worse ways to spend a Tuesday than walking a hundred holes of golf. Right. What have you thought about related to your game or your bag makeup as to how you're going to manage your way around a hundred holes? So I'm definitely bringing a carry bag and I have decided that I'm definitely not going to carry 14. I actually don't even carry 14 mm -hmm. clubs regularly. So I'm probably going to narrow that down to like eight or 10. Um, so I have thought of that logistics. I have most importantly thought about snacks that I can pack that are light that I can have in my bag because that's my priority. Mm -hmm. Um, I have actually talked to someone else at our club has a friend that does this in Massachusetts every year. So I have talked to that person about, Hey, what do you suggest? What are your best practices? That kind of thing. Um, cause I am a planner at the end of the day, but I'm also just kind of looking forward to sort of winging this. I know that's crazy. Um, I do so much preparation for like the rest of my golf life. We just got through our club championship. You know, I had like a six week practice plan and all these kind of things. And, you know, had my like checklist for the morning of, I'm excited to just go and have totally social golf. that has nothing to do with what I shoot and, and just get through it and enjoy the day and most importantly, raise some money. Yeah. It's going to be. It's gonna. It's been. It's been a, such an up and down for me over the last like couple of weeks. Of how are we gonna do this? Are we gonna have to run? Are we gonna have to walk briskly? Like what? What is the makeup of my bag? And then, um, 
I played I played a couple holes at the Hollows the other day and produced a short video that I thought was like helpful. And then I've had feedback from people like, dude, you had too many clubs in your bag. Would you have eight, nine? I'm like, are you are you serious? And uh, so I think I'm going to get that that down to five or six. Um, yes, I'm agreeing that like winging it is sort of my last my my thing now. I've considered all of the scenarios. Yep. And now it's like, okay, I've brought all that information in. Now I'm going to go out and wing it. And if that's not working, I have other scenarios that I've <laughs> got sort of calculated in my mind for how I'm going to get through. Yeah. Um, hearing you say you're going to play your first 36 the Friday before the 100-hole hike, the first time you've played 36 in a day, um, is starting to make me a little anxious <laughs> now. Because the most I've played is in a day is 45, and that was 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't recent. Um, well, but it's going to be amazing. Is when, when and when I signed up, I wasn't even thinking about oh, I'm actually walking, I'm actually hiking hundred holes, playing hundred holes. <laughs> sure, I can do that. Whatever. Um, so when my husband and I were like reading through some stuff, and we figured out oh, I actually am walking these hundred holes. He made the comment to me, and keep in mind, I have been working out religiously like four days a week, including cardio, since January, like for golf season, like to get my mm -hmm. golf game in shape. I've been I've been doing a whole complete overhaul of my body since January. And mm -hmm. he had the nerve to read your email and say to me, "You're going to have to get in shape for this." And I'm like, first of all, oh my gosh, I am in good shape. I am in I am in a shape. I should say I am in a. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that's for 100 holes will be to be determined. But I was also like, buddy, you're not doing this. So you don't get an opinion on <laughs> where my body is or is not in this process. <laughs> I'm going to plead the. I, I don't have to say anything about that. No, I'm going to leave not. that yeah. between yeah. the two of you. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. I mean, I think I, I, I think everyone has signed up because they have an interest in the challenge. They have an interest in the opportunity. We have... One guy who's playing with us whose son has been a Youth On Course member since before we even joined Youth On Course here in Virginia. And so to have him volunteer to sign up because he loves the mission of Youth On Course and loves the fact that it's now here in Virginia and to find a way to give back to that is special. And then to have people like you who are relatively new to the game we have others who are relatively new to the game to all have said i have an interest in this i would like to do this it's so exciting yeah. it's such a wonderful blessing to the organization it'll be a, well I mean, it'll be another community that i'll have just like, exactly just like the pageant girls we've all gone through this weird thing we've all walked 100 holes of golf <laughs> i know <laughs> that's the thing it's like how are we going to come out on the other side yeah different yeah and there's no way to guess at that yeah. and i'm so excited for that yeah. thank you so much rachel for hiking with us thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast and i'm looking forward to forward to all the future holds for you in golf and i thank you for sort of joining our golf community here in virginia and on the podcast and i hope uh folks will will follow you and the events caddy um, and all that you do. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I'll see you on the other side. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth, and big thanks to Rachel Collins. Even though the hike is over, you can still pledge on Rachel's hike or anyone else's at vsga.org slash youthoncourse and click on the link for the 100-hole hike. Continue to keep an eye on the podcast feed and social media for more content related to the 100-hole hike. 